Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. I am your host, Matt Ant. Tonight I am joined by Chris Blystone and Ryan Ortega. How are you guys doing tonight? Chris, we can start with you. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here and uh, glad to talk football. It's nice to be close enough we can actually talk about football. I know, right? The time is now. Even though it's just preseason, it still gets me gets me going here. So, Absolutely. Uh, Ryan, how about yourself, buddy? Doing well. Uh, just rushing from call to call here, uh, planning uh, a trip for a bunch of my buddies who are coming up from North Carolina for the Seattle game, the home opener. So oh, we're wow. on that right up into the right until this started, essentially. So again, <laughs> sorry for the tardiness, and uh, glad everyone is here to you know listen to us talk football and excited to hear Chris's perspective. Chris, you're from uh, is a Blue Stampede? Is that correct? Stampede Blue. Yep. Stampede Blue. Stampede Blue. Um, awesome. well, I'm hoping I'm, I, I'm sitting in a hotel room tonight. I'm hoping that, uh, the internet can carry us through. If not, uh, Dave and Ryan have the show in good hands, but <clears throat> I'm going to toss it to Ryan right away. Um, Chris, I don't know if, if you were able to watch any of the Vikings game, um, leading up to this week's game, but Ryan, why don't you fill Chris in on, on kind of how last game went for us, uh, minus 31 starters. Sure. Yeah, I, I hope Chris is a little bit more optimistic about his team than we are right now, uh, at least based on the first game. Now, again, huge caveat. Of course, we were missing all of our starters, a bunch of our quality backups uh, in that game. So really, it was an opportunity for the young guys um, and, and folks who are you know, fighting for the you know final roster spots and even starter spots because there was a couple of guys in there that were um, to kind of showcase what they had. I don't think it was a great showing. I think our offensive line did show that our depth is better maybe than it has been in the past. Um, I think our offensive line did actually relatively well in that game against the Denver starters and their backups. Um, considering, again, Samia had an awful year last year. Dozier was still really bad, uh, so I'm surprised he's still on the team. Uh, but, uh, and yeah, so we, we had a couple guys who, who showcased that, that they can, you know, maybe be a little better. Um, it's a couple guys who maybe regressed a little bit. I know Cam Dancer, one of our promising young corners, did not have the greatest showing. Our safeties did not look great. Linebackers looked subpar. So, uh, Chris, I think the Indy, uh, the Indy, Indianapolis called are in for uh, a good opportunity, at least the, your backups or our backups, to kind of show what they have or we really need to step up because uh, what we showed in that first preseason game was not up to par and, and Zimmer let them know it. So um, excited to hear a little bit more about the Colts and uh, how you guys, how your guys' first preseason started out. Yeah, why don't you yeah, start absolutely. us with uh, your quarterback here? So minus Wentz and and you're, you're running out uh, two kind of unknown guys. How'd they do last week? So that's the interest. The most interesting story really about the Colts, uh, at least for this preseason is the two quarterbacks. So neither quarter, it's a very interesting situation, kind of unlike what the Colts management has done in the past, because post Peyton Manning, kind of the mandate from owner Jim Irsay was we're not going to have some backup who's just a nobody. Cause we know what that, what happens when we do that. Um, and so they've had a pretty good backup on, you know, on the roster since then. They had Matt Hasselbeck for a while, Jacoby Brissett. They've had guys who can play. They're not the guy you want to see playing, but they can they can get you through a couple of games. So when they brought Carson Wentz in, they, they didn't really bring anybody on with a lot of experience. Uh, Brett Hundley is our most experienced quarterback. Uh, you guys will be somewhat familiar with, uh, with his work. It's not exactly glowing. And so that's the guy who has the experience before this this first preseason game, there was not an NFL snap to be had between uh, either of our, you know, presumably quarterback three and two. Jacob Eason, uh, you know, basically didn't, he was more on the practice squad. Well, he was more on the sidelines, uh, inactive most of the the season last year. Big arm, uh, a lot of talent, but raw player, um, not real mobile, 
kind of more your statue in the pocket, traditional old school pocket passing guy. He's got a great arm. He can make some crazy throws. He's kind of a little slow to process. And so the question is, can he turn the corner and get to where he works through those progressions better? Can he get better pocket presence? Uh, In the first game, he didn't have that. His pocket presence was pretty poor and that was not helped by the fact that we basically had a left tackle who was a cardboard cutout. Um, I, I basically the defensive ends were living in our backfield and he was, he was backing up a little bit. The, the offensive coordinator talked about this week that he was, he was dropping a little too far back in the pocket and making life harder for those tackles anyway. But uh, then you have the guy on the other side, you've got Sam Ellinger who is, you know, the Texas quarterback who he's crazy mobile. He is great working through his progressions. He's the guy who knows exactly what to do with the ball. He's a mobile threat and can evade pressure in the pocket but he's got a noodle arm and he can't throw the out routes. He can't get the ball where it needs to be. He looks like he's shot putting it when he has to get it farther than 15 yards down the field. And against starting caliber corners, you have a hard time seeing how this guy can stack up. So if you could smash those two together, we'd be really happy with the product we had. Um, and the question will be whether Eason can develop the areas that he needs to develop. I, I feel like there are some limitations with Ellinger where you're going to be just working around him, but it'll be interesting to see both of them and how they fare. Uh, I don't know in terms of starters, what the intent is for, for the Vikings to, to start guys. The Colts have said they're going to start most, but not all of their starters for at least maybe a series. I don't know how long they will play. I would guess not very long, but um getting to see them play getting Ellinger is likely to get the start according to Reich and um, getting to see him play against some actual starting corners would be great. Cause then it would tell us a lot about what we've actually got there. Is there, um, is there still doubt that Wentz will be ready for week one or, or how is that kind of working over there right now? Yeah. Uh, there is no certainty at this point. They're optimistic, but basically Reich has said he's doing walkthroughs. He started yesterday doing walkthroughs at practice. And from there they will ramp up his more, uh, I'm trying to think of the way that they described it. Aggressive wasn't the word, but more strenuous rehab. And that will really tell them a whole lot depending on how he responds. That will tell them a whole lot about timeline. Reich doesn't like to practice less than two weeks with a quarterback before starting him. So he really wants him to be back within a couple weeks healthy in order to start him in the opener. I don't know if they would start him. They've already said, the owner said across the board, they've said they're not starting him until he's 100%. But the way Reich has described it, his particular injury is less about damaging the recovery process and more about pain management. Once he gets to a certain point where it would be feasible to start him, they could do it. And it's not necessarily about uh, causing more damage. Just can he handle it? Is it, is it functional for him to work? So I don't know. I mean, he hasn't had most of camp to play with the Colts. He had a terrible season last season and you really wanted the preseason for him to build some confidence and get a connection with these receivers. Quentin Nelson is not necessarily going to be in there. So you don't know how good his protection is. This is a guy with a history of kind of essentially almost like PTSD uh, because of the line that he played behind last year where he just was, he's hearing those footsteps and, and just making terrible decisions. So the last thing you want to do him is, is rush him back. So I think the Colts will slow play it. They have a pretty good team across the rest of the roster. And so they may be willing to say, we'll, we'll roll with Jacob Eason or, or Sam Ellinger for a week and make sure that he's right. Sure. Sure. Um, what was the reaction with the Colts fan base around bringing in Carson Wentz? Cause I think there's probably a little bit of a, um, intrigue there for some Viking fans only just because a lot of Viking fans do come from, you know, North Dakota and, and he's loved up there. Right. So, uh, for example, my seat neighbor, uh, for the, I have season tickets to the Vikings and my seat neighbor gave me their Colts tickets because Wentz wasn't playing anymore. They were going to come out from Montana just to watch him play a series. Right. And, and when he went down, uh, they gave me the tickets. So, um, so what was a, fans reaction from a Colts perspective of, of bringing him in for the price that you did. It was very mixed and it has gotten worse and worse. The more there has been buzz about Justin Fields. Um, The Colts were in a range where they could potentially have moved up and made that, that move. The argument I've made and the argument I think many more rational people have made is there was no way for anyone to know that Justin Fields was going to fall. There was no way to know there was going to be any viable option. Chris Ballard couldn't just let this roster, which is honestly with, with Andrew Luck on this roster, this is a Super Bowl caliber roster um, with a, with a top tier quarterback. It's that good. So you can't just not do anything at quarterback and just punt on the year and say, well, we're probably going to have, you know, eight or nine wins 
uh, if we do okay and, you know, six wins if we do badly, but we're not going to be in range to get better at quarter. They're, they had to do something. They had to make a move. I think I would have – I have mixed feelings. I think there is definitely some upside there. I think that there's film evidence that Carson Wentz has a lot of talent and that if he's surrounded by a really good team, he could do some pretty impressive things. But I always go back to his best season. He played on a team that won the Super Bowl without him. And that is hard for me to stomach because that, that tells you about the need for that surrounding talent. So he's not going to necessarily carry a team. Uh, I think he is, I would say maybe in my mind, and this may be an unfair assessment and, you know, demeaning of him, but I would say he's a rich man's Andy Dalton, uh, the guy who is going to rise with the ship and uh, he can, he can do some incredible things. He's going to have his moments, but man, he's going to have some mind bogglingly stupid things too. So I don't know what to think. I know a lot of fans were all the way in and uh, Colts fans aren't considering the amount of good things that have happened to Colts fans. We're remarkably pessimistic about things. <laughs> um, we're, ba- we're huge babies about quarterbacks. We have not experienced a loss of, of, of really talent. I mean, we had 20 solid years of quarterback play uh, to enjoy and, man, can that spoil a group of people really badly? We, we just, we don't really know how to deal with poor quarterback play. And so um, I think it's been a very mixed bag. I am cautiously optimistic based on what I've heard from camp, but he was pretty limited there even in, in how long he was able to practice. So. Sure. Well, let, let's switch, uh, let's switch lanes here and enough of the quarterback talk. Uh, We have our own quarterback stuff going on here with the, Kirk Cousins, Kellen Mond, and the the quickly rising star Jake Browning, but then he quickly faltered after one preseason game. So let's look ahead to our matchup this weekend. Colts, Vikings, this Saturday, I think the game's at 8 o'clock Central, um, or Eastern, sorry. And I want to know, Chris, are there any matchups that you are specifically looking for this weekend? Um, I know... You're probably not going to get a whole lot of starter play like you alluded to earlier, but uh, maybe there's some some fringe players that are competing for starting jobs that we don't know about. Um, and then, Ryan, I'll let you take the flip side of that coin. Yeah, um, absolutely. So first name is one that Colts fans have been buzzing about, and it's uh, definitely the coolest story. And if it could turn into something real, that'd be awesome. Uh, but that's wide receiver and it's rookie wide receiver Mike Strawn. Um, he was a seventh-round pick. He shouldn't, he has no business doing anything with this roster. This is not a great receiver roster, but we have four very good receivers in place. Um, in you know, T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, and Zach Pascal. That's pretty set. There's not, there wasn't really anything barring just a crazy breakout that was going to shake up those top four. And they aren't, none of those guys is necessarily a dominant player, but the drop off from top to bottom is pretty narrow. So they're a pretty, pretty talented receiver core, if not spectacular. And Mike Strawn has just come in and been this force. He's 224, uh, 65, big guy. And he is high pointing the ball, boxing out guys. He was, uh, you know, he, pulling down balls in coverage one-on-one against Xavier Rhodes, who has looked really good. Obviously we'll probably talk a little more about him a little bit later on, but he's he's gone up against the top corners for the Colts and looked okay. And then the Colts get that we've had this happen. We fall in love with these late round receivers. This is what all of us do in preseason. And uh, especially Colts fans, we've had a run of these like sixth, seventh round guys who look good in camp. And then as soon as you get them in a preseason game, they disappear. And he didn't. I mean, he was the top receiver in the, in the first game. He looked good. He had, I believe, a 37-yard, uh, you know, pass that he that he pulled down he had a couple of really nice uh shorter th- he, he was just kind of great he high pointed a really nice ball against a talented corner in that game and has just looked the part of a guy you're going to see big things out of we're looking to see that continue he's going to be getting he was running with the ones a little bit this week and i imagine they'll give him some significant playing time to prove himself against maybe some better quality defenders and he's definitely a guy to watch because he's just he's an exciting player it's it's cool to consider a guy succeeding who's a seventh round pick that just doesn't happen often yeah well he'll That's get great, uh, he'll get plenty of opportunity uh going up I, I i imagine it'll be uh not our starter so i doubt he goes up against breland or or peterson but uh potentially dantzler which dantzler showed some flashes last year um 
so so that might be a matchup here to watch this weekend. Ryan, uh, who are you watching this weekend? Yeah, I I want to see you know not necessarily one specific person, but again, I want to watch this offensive line uh, play against. Hopefully, see their starting defensive line. I'd love uh, to see what how uh, like Oli Udo and um, and Ezra Cleveland and and Garrett Bradbury the internal uh, interior of that line holds up against the Colts defense tackles. Uh, specifically, if he plays DeForest Buckner, um, DeForest Buckner turned Drew Samia into a meme last year uh, by absolutely obliterating him in the game that we played against them. And I, I want to see how Oli Udo does um, stack up against that, um, that analysis, right? Uh, because I think, you know, when you go against a guy like Buckner, who is just a beast, um, you can really gauge how well or how far your offensive line has come in in that one year period uh, we are quite atrocious last year I think everybody knows that and for us to be able to show at least a little bit of life a little bit of um, oomph so to speak and and maybe and maybe have a couple really solid reps against Buckner um, or and Chris you can maybe talk to me about any other strong defense alignment um, uh, more more so interior D lineman uh, that that you guys have but uh, Buckner is just the name that's <laughs> that really comes to life for me because of that Samia play um, so I want to watch that uh, and, and again and to, to Chris's point as well um, their receiver group versus our corners um, Chris Boyd had a heck of a game last week uh, going up one-on-one against Jerry Judy, who by all counts is just torching all of the Broncos secondary all camp. And, and I think Chris Boyd held his own. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, Dancer struggled a little bit, um, more so in the, in the run support than he did in the, in the pass protection, but he didn't do great in that either. Uh, but the Colts have a talented group of receivers, like Chris said. Um, I, and I'm also really excited to watch Paris Campbell cause I got him on a couple fantasy teams. So I want to see if he's the real deal, if he can stay healthy and, and be, be a quality player. So, um, I think those are a couple things that I'm watching out for. And then of course, um, you know, Chris talked about quarterback play. I want to watch our backup quarterback competition. Um, I want to see Kellen Mond take that next step this game, have a little bit wider of a playbook instead of the super limited playbook he had last week and see if he can continue to progress the way he's progressing in practice to take over that second spot because Browning um, was super uninspiring last week. And we, if Kirk goes out with COVID or something like that, we cannot afford to trot out Jake Browning. That'd be worse than trotting out Sam Ellinger, because at least Ellinger can run. So uh, that's just not something I want to see. So uh, that, that those are the, I guess, three core things I'm looking for this weekend when I go to the game. Yeah. Well, I do have a couple more um, that I'd be happy yeah, to throw out there. Uh, so one of the things you mentioned, interior defensive guys, I am looking forward to seeing, and I doubt they'll play much. The, another guy to watch on the interior is Grover Stewart. Uh, he's an underrated guy. Uh, that plays the nose tackle position and doesn't get a whole lot of credit. It's a, it's a thankless job, but when you're next to DeForest Buckner with those two together, they are a formidable group. And if you can hold up against those guys, you're going to do pretty well on the interior against just about anybody. Uh, but, but on the defensive line, th- those guys aren't the ones that concern me because when they're on, uh, I think they're, I mean, DeForest Buckner mitigates a ton of problems on the defensive line by himself. Cause he's just a force and having to deal with him uh, takes a lot of attention. The guys I'm really excited about, uh, Quiddy Pay, the first round rookie, first round defensive end that the Colts took this year. I'm excited to see him. He was out the first game, didn't play at all because of an injury, and I think he'll probably get some time. Uh, has been running first team all uh, all camp. The other guy is Kamoko Ture, and uh, he looked great. He was on fire. Uh, the in the last game that he played in, he basically single handedly disrupted. Patrick Mahomes rhythm and uh, then, you know, like compound fractured his ankle in like the third quarter of that game and knocked him out. It was like four weeks of terror of this guy that we finally thought maybe we've got a defensive end who can bring back um, some pass rush. The Colts have been void of pass rush for basically since Robert Mathis retired. And uh, so seeing both of those guys do something, uh, it presents some kind of a pass rush. We don't have great secondary. They're, they're, 
good, not great. And so you've got to have pressure on a quarterback. And so really the defensive ends are places I'm going to be watching. Uh, Quiddy Pay, Kamoko Ture, um, even Ben Banigou, who is a guy who's basically a bubble guy. And he's he's looked good in camp, but he's never been able to make it translate to pads. So we really need to see him kind of stand out or he's probably not on the roster. Um, those are those are the areas I'm going to be watching up front. Uh, the the linebacker position where I feel pretty good about. You kind of know what you've got in the defensive backs, even if it's maybe not as good as you'd like it to be. Uh, but those those defensive ends, that's a, a big question mark. And same thing for us on the offensive side. The tackle positions are well. The left tackle position is really the big struggle. The Colts uh, signed Eric Fisher. He's not going to be back necessarily to start the season. So who's going to be filling that in, and can they be better than? I mean, I, I jokingly said on Twitter last week, uh, I thought the Colts would have been re- better sitting their left tackle and starting a third tight end uh, just at that spot because at least then you don't expect them to block anyone. Um, it's just like at least they could catch a pass if you need them to do something like this. It was it was bad, and um, with without having a really experienced quarterback, it makes it even even worse. So I'll be watching that spot and hopefully somebody who can show something. Well, that's good because our uh, our competition for the I think the right defensive end spot who would line up against your left tackle um, is one that we're uh, anxiously looking to see who's going to win. Uh, it's between a couple young guys, uh, well, one vet and a couple young guys with uh, Stephen Weatherly, uh, DJ Wanham, and and then uh, two rookies, Janarius Robinson and uh, Patrick Jones. I think the second or third. Um, so. It'll be interesting to see what how they can do against a guy who maybe isn't a top tier left tackle and see if they can take advantage. Because if Daniel Hunter plays, which it sounds uh, based on what um, Dave is saying here in the comments, it does sound like he uh, we're going to start at least all of our starters for a little bit today, according to Matt Collar, who's one of uh, the kind of uh, reporters here in town. Um, so. Uh, we'll see how Daniel Hunter goes up against your, you know, big bad right tackle. Um, he, he's solid, so yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see that matchup as well. So, um, yeah, and and uh, has anyone heard Matt any news on Everson Griffin? Did he sign yet? I've been kind of out of the loop for a little bit. Yeah, our our, our guide uh, Darren Wolfson from KSTP and Score North uh, mentioned earlier this evening that uh, you know the workout went well. He looked explosive, so. So maybe Everson, uh, I doubt he'd suit up for this game, uh, but maybe Everson Griffin will be back. Um, I want to kind of put you on the spot here for a second, Chris. Uh, Sometimes in Twitter, whatever, you kind of get just caught in your own team's fan base, emotions, whatever. I'm very curious to hear what you have heard about the Vikings um, or, or what even your thoughts are. I, I don't know how much you know about them, um, but I, I'm curious what you hear about them. So I honestly, not a whole lot because not a team, obviously we, that we play very often. Um, I think that they suffer from some of the same sort that the Colts do, where you just don't get a whole lot of national media attention uh, unless you're just really, unless you have that, you know, some superstar that really kind of draws that. And really it almost has to be the quarterback position because really the, the most I've heard about the Vikings, honestly, this offseason has been about Kirk Cousins and it has had to do more with, uh, with COVID stuff than it has to do with actual football. And so it doesn't really tell me a whole lot. I, I've joked before on, uh, I think some of these teams that you play once every four years, you get stuck in this old impression of this team. So I just have the, um, like, well, first of all, Mike Zimmer's quotes are always the funniest quotes. I, I love hearing any of his press conference stuff because it's like, <laughs> what coach is willing to just be, I mean, he's kind of like a gruffer Bruce Arians, maybe like just, he's, he's going to shoot from the hip, but he's, it's kind of like if Clint Eastwood was a coach. Uh, I feel like that he's just, yeah. that's, that's my, my impression of just this grizzled guy who's like tired of everybody's garbage and he's just not putting up with it anymore. So I kind of dig that, but um yeah, I, not a whole lot, honestly, as far as, um, you know, I, I haven't kept up with a whole lot anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have any strong impressions other than that I expect them to be sort of a team that's going to try to do kind of what the Colts like to do. And and um, I, I remember playing the game last, last year and feeling like the, that was a team that was kind of like us, I mean, you know, same sort of strengths and... Um, 
yeah, but as far as this year, I'm, I'm out of the loop. I don't have a whole lot of uh, knowledge to contribute or anything there. Well, you're not missing too much. I mean, I, I, to your point, I think that uh, the Kirk stuff is obviously valid. What you've heard, Zimmer stuff is valid. Um, we're a team that's very top-heavy, and I think depth is our, our biggest concern heading into this season. I think when you look at our offense, um, it is probably a championship-caliber offense, assuming the offensive line gets figured out. And then defensively, yep. obviously, we have um, you know, a really good interior pass rush. Uh, and just honestly, from, from right to left, except for that left defensive end position, um, a very good team or defensive line linebackers are good corners fingers crossed and then you got harrison smith who is underrated as always but but pretty good um so yeah i guess kind of the same right i wish we could have quentin nelson uh so <laughs> if, if well, you for, want to for five to 12 weeks we may not either so <laughs> i would take five i would take that still over what we've had to put up, put out there at, yeah. at guard these past couple years yeah um before we touch on a former Viking, Xavier Rhodes, I selfishly have to ask, Ryan already brought this up a little bit earlier with his fantasy team. I have Michael Pittman, and I want mm-hmm. to know what he looks like and what you expect out of him this year. He looks like the Colts' number one wide receiver. Um, That's what I like to looked, hear. He's looked very good. Um, he, he all So he became a dad over this offseason, and... I don't know if you guys have kids. I know that does change you. It changes your perspective on the world, but he has come into camp like a man on a mission. And he was kind of like the sit back and watch and be mentored and and you know, ask lots of questions and learn. And it's something clicked with him in year two. And he's like, all right, this is mine now. Um, this team belongs to me and I'm, I'm taking control. T Y Hilton is great. He's clearly, uh, I mean, the best thing that the Colts could have is to put him in a wide receiver two or three role because he's a huge pain to deal with. He's such a wily guy. Uh, he's so small, and he knows how to draw pass interference penalties really effectively. Um, he's a great route runner, but he doesn't have that top-end speed, and he can't go – I mean, he's like 5'9". He he's not going up and going over anybody. So um, he really has taken over that role, and I think it's it's hard with the Colts. I don't recommend any Colts players for, for fantasy just because Frank Reich likes to spread the ball around so much that it's just going to make you depressed because uh, you're going to have him, you're going to have him starting and then he's going to do I think it's 60 yards and you know, no touchdown. And then you're going to sit him and he's going to blow it up the next week. It's just, they're, they're just going to break your heart all season long. I, I'm afraid, but um, if there was a guy who was going to do really well, it would be, I would guess it would be Michael Pittman because he has just all of the, all of the ability and he's already built like he went and worked with Carson Wentz, I think three different times in the off season, just independently. And they were just throwing. So if anybody's going to break out and have a, just a really big second year, he, he had a weird injury like midway through the season where he, I don't even remember what he did, did some sort of weird thing to his calf and um, had to have a major surgery. It was kind of a just freak thing that happened and it knocked him out for like three games and it really kind of killed his momentum. And then from there on, he was, I mean, he really progressively got better to the end of the season. Uh, so there's part of me that wonders if he, we would be talking more about him anyway, had he not had that injury. But yeah, he, he looks like he's going to be legit. I would say you should feel good about that. Other than if Frank Reich just decides to make your life miserable and, uh, you know, have him throw to 11 different receivers every game or whatever. Should uh, Jonathan Taylor owners be concerned at all with, you know, Marlon Mack being back, Naheem Hines being productive out of the backfield? Uh, What are your thoughts there? I don't think so. I think Jonathan Taylor is too much of a beast to be ignored. I think he just, I think that's the one exception. I think they're going to use Marlon Mack. I think they're going to use Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines has got to be the most infuriating fantasy player ever because he'll have a game where he got like 200 yards. He runs back a punt like for a touchdown. He just has these just crazy games and then he will get no snaps the next game or something. They, they very much cater their game plans. We have a deep backfield. Uh, there are really good running backs that, that I watched on Sunday. Um, you know, guys who are basically third, fourth, fifth running backs that are going to get cut and, um, and go and could probably start somewhere and, and do well. But Jonathan Taylor is just, different man he's just <laughs> he's just something else i I'm, I'm excited that marlon mack looks as good as he does he looked good in the preseason game he's 
he's a weird guy because he, he is like fixed one thing about his game almost every off season and just keeps getting these little things better. Um, so it's it a heartbreaker when he went down, but it was pretty cool that we were able to bring him back. I just still don't think that he's, he's just not on the same level as far as gifts as Jonathan Taylor. So I think you should feel pretty good about having him on your roster because he's going to get the ball. Nice. I'm glad to see Jonathan Taylor's doing well. I, I kind of rooted for him a little bit in college and, uh, <clears throat> you know, people, you rooted for a badger. Out. You know what? You got to respect how good he was. And well, I mean, yeah, you uh, can respect greatness, but you don't have to root for him. <laughs> it's not like I'm rooting for Aaron Rodgers. I respect him. I won't root for him. That's fair. That's fair. That's probably more, more about what it was. Uh, but I did feel bad when he finally did get to the NFL. Um, and I felt like people were quick to kind of like, I don't know. I, I don't think people went as far to call him a bust, but I think he did start a little bit slow last year and people were, um, I dismissed him quick. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and yeah. by the end of the season, I don't know. It, he looked to be a top five to me. Um, so I hope he can continue that. And I'm glad we don't face you in the regular season. If after this week, um, we hopefully will only see you in the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's certainly helpful when you get to like have Quentin Nelson pulling and you get to run behind him. That, that makes your life a little bit easier. Um, I was thinking, I, I was thinking about the, one of the penalties that I saw where the blocking, you know, it's like the chop blocking or whatever, on the downfield lineman. And I thought, man, if that's a penalty, nobody's going to stop the Colts. They're just going to run a wham play and it's just going to be run behind Quentin Nelson. And it's either a penalty or he's going to kill anybody who gets in front of him. And then Jonathan Taylor just dances into the end zone. This seems like the only play you need in the book, right? This is like a Madden simulation where you just run one play. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think he was a little bit lost early and he definitely came on and started, you know, his, his vision improved and he, he was a different player over like the last six to eight weeks of the season. I think, I think he actually was running uh, at a higher pace yards wise than uh, Derrick Henry. I think he was over the, like if, if he had extrapolated those last six games over the season, he maybe, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of wild. So. Hey Chris, we, we have a we have a guest comment here uh, that came in. I know you touched base on him a little bit in terms of you're excited to watch him play a little bit, but uh, Deshaun Vaughn, he's actually one of our uh, climbing the pocket contributors as well. Uh, wants to know what's the word on Quiddy Pay? He, he hears they're having a good camp. Uh, I know if I remember correctly, Deshaun was really high on Quiddy Pay. Uh, I think he really wanted the Vikings to draft him actually uh, because we obviously had a big need at that uh, other defensive end spot with the uncertainty of Daniel. Hunter at the time of the draft. Um, so, you know, what's the word on him? Are you excited? You know, tell me a little bit more. Yeah. Um, he was one of those players that as, as the people were coming off the board, Colts fans were kind of holding our breath because he was a guy who was ranked really high among a lot of us uh, top. He was, he was most of our top defensive end. And so to have him make it to, to 21 was just great. I mean, we couldn't have asked for better than that. Um, and, so yeah, he, he's looked good. Um, he has, again, unfortunately we're pessimistically looking at this through the scope of him dominating somebody like Will Holden. So just as a, as a precursor, if your defensive ends are dominating Will Holden, um, you can't, that tells you nothing about them because Will Holden might be the worst offensive lineman in the NFL. Um, I feel bad. Oh, hold on there. Dog, we, we have we somebody have over two, here. Yeah, we have two offensive linemen that hold that title. Okay, so. Oh man, well, Will Holden would like to compete. He'd like to be in the discussion. Um, but, but man, he he has been awful, and so I don't know. The word has been really that he's looked great, but he has not been playing against Anthony Costanzo. He has not been going up against Quentin Nelson uh, and having to deal with help from Quentin Nelson. So he's, I, I don't know what to think. I'm holding out judgment until he has faced some, uh, some better talent, but I mean, he's, he's going to be matched up one-on-one in, in regular season games because standing next to him is going to be DeForest Buckner. So uh, I, I'm hoping that our defensive ends are going to benefit from the talent on the inside and that there's just going to have to be, uh, some level of you're going to put me on an island because you can't ignore DeForest Buckner or single. I mean, if you're going to single up DeForest Buckner, he's going to make you pay. And so um, I, I've been impressed with what we've seen so far, but it's kind of with that caveat that we don't really know how good the talent is he's been across from. Good to know. Good to know. 
All right, so let's talk Xavier Bennett. Obviously, he spent you know all up all of his career up until uh, when he joined you guys um, with the Vikings. He kind of had a down year before he came over to your team, and then put up just a another. Uh, what what are you excited about? Do you have any concerns with him? Just given the fact that he has had kind of that track record of being really good and then into maybe falling off a little bit. Um, you know, tell us a little bit more about your feelings with Xavier Rhodes. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think you don't know with fall off of players what to expect because you know they get to a certain age and it can happen almost in any almost instantaneously with with corners. But what I do know is that he was actually uh, quoted this week and it was really encouraging because he has actually been working with Mike Strawn, who I mentioned earlier, the rookie wide receiver, and kind of giving him some tips on how to maximize his effectiveness. And I just thought, man, this is why you bring in these kinds of veteran guys and why the Colts are careful about the kind of people they bring in, uh, because that's exactly what you want from a teammate is somebody who is pushing these talented young players and making them better. And so uh, he was talking about specifically kind of just giving him some tips about how to use his size and you know, get physical with corners and kind of talking to him. What does that look like? Uh, and it's like, man, that's exactly what you want. Um, I don't know that the Colts have, they, they've started to develop a ton of veteran leadership. They did not have that in the defensive backfield last year until he was on. Um, and, and he really anchored a lot of that. We, we've got a very young team in some ways, and there are some leaders at every level, but you didn't have that necessarily in the cornerback room. Uh, Kenny Moore was probably that guy, and he's still really young. I mean, he's a really talented player, but he's a young guy. And so having that veteran presence and that guy who can kind of calm everybody down if they get you get punched in the mouth and all of a sudden you're ready to kind of get shaken up a little bit. And you need that veteran who knows and who's been there to just be like, man, just relax, take the next thing at one thing at a time. And, and, uh, and as far as his play last season, he was excellent. I mean, he, he surprised everybody because honestly, when you watched him, the thought was this guy's too slow. He's, he's too slow. He's not going to be able to do what we need him to do, but he was so instinctive and so crafty that he just, I mean, he was all over the place. He made the, made maybe more plays than any other defensive back that we had on the team, as far as just impact plays and constantly being where he needed to be. So I am optimistic, but not I'm not going to take for granted that he's going to be that good again. Uh, the Colts don't lean with the scheme that we run heavily on cornerback talent individually, which much, much more scheme focused and the front seven are kind of dictating things. So hopefully if we've improved in the pass rush, he won't have to be as good as he was last year. Uh, and we, that'll mitigate some of that drop off that is you know likely to happen both through track record and just through aging. But yeah, I just want to let you know absolutely. that that this is the, this, the second time in this pod that I've heard you bring up, bring up that receiver Strawn. And so while you were talking about uh, in my dynasty league, so we'll see how that. <laughs> uh, and literally I can, I, you know, there's proof. He literally just asked. <laughs> In the dynasty league, so that's funny. Um, yeah, so you know, I'm happy for you guys that you got Rhodes. Uh, I was always a big fan of his. I know that he kind of again started to fall off a little bit at the end of his Vikings tenure, and some fans soured on him. He gave us a lot of really good years. Again, like you had said, really great leadership. Um, I loved the days when he was locking down the then elite Odell Beckham Jr the then elite Julio Jones, the then elite, you know, AJ Green, you know, all these guys, you know, it, it, you know, he would lock these guys down for, you know, under 50 yards, you know, under five catches, whatever it is, when they're used to getting eight, nine catches for a hundred yards. Um, uh, Mike Evans was another one, like, and he, he taught, he let them know it too. He talked, he talked to <laughs> his shit with them and, and he made the, he made it known that, yeah, he's got this locked down and um, we can't, well, I don't know if you guys have this over in uh, Indianapolis, but we had the roads closed kind of, uh, moniker for him. Uh, I even have a shirt with roads closed on it. Uh, actually, nice. I, I probably got rid. It's it was just fun. Uh, I'm happy that he kind of reinvigorated his career over there with you guys. And like you said, pr- providing that leadership for your young secondary. Um, Julian, he was really high on in the in the draft process. I'm glad to see that my um, my 
you know, couch scouting or whatever you want to call it, um, turned out to be right on him. I was a big fan of Julian Blackman and uh, Kenny Moore. I've always enjoyed watching him play from afar. Again, I don't watch every rep or anything like that, but you you know see him on Sports Center highlights, or you you know just hear on Twitter that he's doing well. So you know you guys yeah. you guys are doing some good things on that defense. Yeah. Is my internet back? Is it working? You're good. All right. Well, let's let's do two things things here as we tie up the show. Uh, first off, uh, I want your season predictions, Chris and Ryan, uh, and your game predictions. But before we do that, I'm, I'm so bad about doing this in my pods. I want to make sure I get to it. Chris, tell everybody that's watching, that's going to be listening again about what you do, who you work with, um, anything you're working on for the upcoming season. Um, pretty much give yourself a little promo here on the show and let the fans know who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So I write over at Stampede Blue, and uh, we we cover all things Colts. And I I'm, I'm actually most prominently uh, dealing with podcasts. That's my primary role. But I also do uh, a, a few stories here and there, a little bit more during the season than off. But primarily, my role is the audio side of things. And so we have a couple different podcasts on our our podcast feed there. The, the one that I'm the host of is Stampede Radio. So it's uh, it's kind of similar similar vibe, just kind of guys sitting around talking the, the ideas, just that, you know, what would it be like if we're having a conversation about football and somebody just recorded it? And so, uh, you know, pretty laid back thing there. And then I do a daily news podcast that, you know, is really just exactly what it sounds like. If you're wanting a, if you got a short commute and you just want to get up to date on the Colts and you don't want to read, I will, <laughs> I will read who is injured. I will read what roster moves to you and, and, you know, get that information to you so that you can be up to date on what's going on. Uh, and then as we get into the season, I, I, you know, do several stories and some film breakdowns as needed and all that fun stuff to kind of fill out the content over on Stampede Blue. Lots of good guys working over there to provide content. And then we've got a couple other good podcasts that go up there as well. So, um, Quite a bit of that, and a lot of it's sound ed- editing and all that good stuff. But yeah, now, anything to do with the Colts and an opportunity to talk about football is is always something I'm pretty excited about. Very good prediction time. What, what do you, what do you think your Colts are going to be um, come season end? And what are your thoughts on that? This is a tough one because this because this ask I, I've been avoiding this, these prediction season predictions for so long because I'm such a waffler about how, what I think Carson Wentz is going to be. So I really had to kind of gut check, and I am I am almost exclusively a hopeless optimist. And uh, you know I I was the guy who filled out my team to win the NCAA tournament every year, even when that made no sense, and considered writing them in when they didn't even make it. So um, you know I, I have that stupidity about me once I start getting really locked in it's like okay here's the intellectually this is what I think and uh so from like I think I alluded to earlier I I think the floor for this team is just high enough that we're not in range of getting a quarterback to actually fix the problem and the ceiling is a Super Bowl team um I don't think that Carson Wentz is the 2017 version of himself, but I also don't think he's the 2021 version of himself. I'd say that he is somewhere in the middle. And so I think this team is a 12 and five team. We have a pretty weak division. I mean, the Texans are pretty much two wins for the Colts because that organization is a mess. Uh, you got Jacksonville, who's still trying to get things figured out, and who knows what Trevor Lawrence is going to be, and is he a player who can just carry a whole team, or is that dysfunction going to be going on? I'm lower on the Texans or on the Titans than a lot of people, so I feel like in division, the Colts have a chance to get a lot of wins, and then you know we're not necessarily um, facing a super tough schedule. I I just feel like there's a pretty good chance that the Colts uh, get a lot of wins just by nature of good defense, a really talented running game and a quarterback, not screwing anything up too much. So Carson doesn't have to be spectacular. He just has to not be a disaster. And I think this team can win at least 10 games. I'm, I'm going to say he has some above average performances that he plays like a good, not great quarterback. And I think that's a 12 and five uh, record. And I, I still think I'm not optimistic about the, um, the off season necessarily or the, the postseason as much. I I'm I think they probably get knocked out 
in the championship round, which obviously would be nice, but still disappointing. Um, so if I'm, if we're flying high on optimism, that's, <laughs> I'll just go ahead and go all in there that I think they're going to, they're going to make it at least a couple of playoff games. Well, there you go. I love the optimism here at time in the pocket. We're not necessarily known for just pure optimism. I, I we like to call ourselves more realists, right? You know, we're not going to, you know, blow smoke up anywhere, but we're uh, also, you know, we, we know, you know, we feel we know football. We feel we know a quality team. I think we think the Vikings are a quality team. Uh, you know, there's obviously some deficiencies at that offensive line, some questions still in the secondary. Um, and, and uh, you know, th- there's definitely some questions. And then, of course, just a, a lot of us are on that train with, you know, Kirk Cousins, not being vaccinated, what that potentially could mean for a season outlook if he were to somehow come in contact with somebody with COVID or um, or get COVID himself. And, and then just, again, the lack of a quality um, uh, backup behind him, at least as of right now. Of course, Kelamon could get better or he could be the answer long term for us. So we have Kirk on, on dock here for the next two seasons. But, um, you know, succession plan and potentially there. Uh, Freddie, I, you know, I'm sorry, buddy. I, I, am not going to say we're going to be 17 and 0. I don't think that that's, you know, realistic. Um, like you, Chris, I don't like to really throw, throw, uh, predictions out there too often. You know, I, at one point, I think I've been quoted as saying, uh, eight and nine, one point saying nine and eight, I think kind of our, um, our range is going to be right in there anywhere from, you know, seven and 10 to 11 and 11 and six, right? I mean, I, I can see a go either way. Some of those close games, we play a lot of good teams. We play, you know, the NFC or AFC North, they have three quality teams, maybe four. I, I think we'll beat the Bengals, but the other three are quality teams. Um, we play the, I think the third, I guess the third best NFC team on each division. So again, some of those are still pretty solid teams. Um, and then our own division, we have Aaron Rodgers twice. Uh, we have the Bears who always somehow give us trouble. And then Lions apparently are getting better. I'm not too worried about them. But, you know, it, it's it's a tough – it is going to be a tough schedule, I think. Uh, we do play some really high-quality teams. And um, I, I say, you know, you win half of those and you're a playoff team um, in terms of, uh, of the high-quality teams. And then, of course, just take care of business everywhere else. So um, we play the NFC West. That's probably the strongest division in the NFC um, with the Seahawks, the Niners, the Cardinals who are on the come up, and the – Rams were supposed to be pretty good. So again, pretty tough schedule. So I, I'm going to say nine and eight, and I don't think that's good enough to make the playoffs, but we'll see. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm, I should be more like Chris and say 12 and five and, and, uh, and we're, we're in losing in the championship round, you know, that that's the optimistic side, but uh, trying to be realistic, tough schedule again. No, you know, I'm going to say 10 and seven. I'll say 10 and seven. I just have to say the, these new records are just ugly numbers. I'm not a fan. No. I, I, underst- I don't mind the extra game, but it really makes the numbers ugly. I, I wish that it, <laughs> they're just, I mean, like ugh, 12 and five, 11 and it's, it's just awful. I, <laughs> yeah. don't, I don't, it's, it's so awkward rolling off the tongue. Dave, uh, I, you know, I know Matt's connections kind of coming in and out. Dave, do you have a right. prediction for, for the Vikings here? You're a little more optimistic on our well, side. Well, I was so. about to say, I was going to tell Chris, we got a bunch of pacifists in the group. Um, <laughs> they call it really the realists. You need everybody to pull them back to the pack. I've got one on my <laughs> podcast, too. He helps me out, keeps me from going way too out of control. Um, I'm a little bit more optimistic because I see the potential – that this could be a very good team. However, Ryan is 100% correct. We have a killer season, especially after the first six games. We go into an absolute gauntlet of uh, rough, a lot of the NFC West, a lot of times that we don't like. Uh, the Vikings like to play at noon on Sunday. Uh, it's it, a lot of travel to the West Coast, different things that aren't good for the Vikings. But if they put this all together, our defense can be top 10 and our offense can be top 10. And hopefully that is the case and we make it to the Golden Land. We're, at least you guys won a Super Bowl. We're 0-60. So 
I'm hoping for at least one before I die. And as you can see, I got some gray. So, but I want to thank you personally for coming on. Uh, it's great to have you, especially being a sister site, being Stampede Blue, part of SB Nation, same as Daily Norseman, who is our partner. And uh, we look forward to having you on in the future, hopefully in the big game. That'd be all right. <laughs> Although I feel like I, there's, to be honest with you, I have friends who are Bears fans, and I did not get to properly enjoy that victory because I, I felt their agony. And I think after this conversation, it would be a little bit hard for me to fully enjoy it if that were the case. I, I would struggle. It'd be this conflict. I, I would love to go up against somebody that you just really uh, – unlikable teams. You don't want to go up against an unlikable team that it's just like they probably deserve to, be, have, to have their hearts broken anyway. But Oh, yes. And there's – well, we've got our inner division one, which is obviously the Packers. Um. And we can't wait till Aaron Rodgers moves on. But we'll deal with him this season. We almost beat him t twice last year. We'll beat him hopefully twice this season. And we love when Packers fans get all sorts of upset. <laughs> yep. Very good. Well, uh, fans, thanks for joining in. Uh, you know, make sure you tune in tomorrow. We got Vikings Hot Takes with Flip. And uh, I think Eric around tomorrow, so Flip and Eric are going to give you their hot takes for this weekend, uh, Colts game, as well as maybe uh, hash over some of the stuff that happened last week against the uh, Broncos. So make sure you tune in, tune in tomorrow, 8 o'clock. And Dave, why don't you take us home? Yes, and I'll explain to Chris. Viking Hot Takes is our fastest moving show. The guys are put on a 20-minute timer Three questions each. It is outstanding. You should check it out for a possible ripoff. Do an indie version. And uh, people love I it. I dig that idea. Uh, people love it. With that, I want to say thank you. We hope Indy the best of luck this season, except for Saturday, of course. And yep. want to tell everybody, Skull Vikings! Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.